Thank you for tuning in to the First Gen Hunter Podcast, the go-to resource for those seeking to establish a foundation in hunting knowledge, skills, and tactics. What up, First Gen fam? Thanks for being here in a downloading, subscribing, listening sense. I really appreciate you tuning in each and every episode. Today's episode is the first in a series of Next Gen Hunter interviews. No, I didn't forget the name of my own podcast. Next Gen Hunter is a series of interviews with young hunters who will be representing the hunting community in some way beyond the influence of most of us. These young whippersnappers in the hunting world are writing their own hunting narratives and have some of their own ideas that need to be heard by us older generations of hunters. So, get comfy and open your mind as we jump into an interview with Mr. Nate Olson. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of your favorite podcast in the history of podcasts. Please let that be true. Yes. Brandon, so yes. good to talk to you. I feel like it's been ages, man. It, it does, I mean, even just, you know, a week or two between, it does feel like forever. And, you know, because this whole process makes you just, you know, that, that, um, that excitement you know, of looking forward to the season and going through things, this just further amplifies it because we're talking about it. You know, we're interviewing people, you know, we're learning, we're growing. So, I mean, we're just, we're just chomping at the bit. So, I mean, even a week or so feels like forever. So it's good to reconnect and, you know, get at it again. Yeah, man. I couldn't, couldn't, uh, as usual, couldn't say it better. I, uh, got out and, uh, did a little remote property. Uh, nice. I, I shouldn't, uh, maybe a little a little bit of scouting um okay i put up a another trail camera in a pretty good spot nice. where um uh my brother jake and who was featured in a previous interview where he uh saw a bunch of bucks last year so i kind of found that pinch point used uh some of your advice there and and uh nice. found that nice little pinch and and uh good. got a camera set up so i actually did a video for the first gen hunter youtube channel i had my uh, very cool lovely wife uh serve as the camera lady for me and <laughs> and great. uh you know it's kind of funny where when you're doing videos like that <laughs> how you want it to work <laughs> <laughs> and how it ends up working thankfully my wife was gracious enough to stop the video when i'm like all right and now i'm gonna mount this camera to the tree and it was this like terrible black locust tree i think i donated about four pints of blood to black locust thorns and uh took me forever to get the thing mounted on the tree with the the bungee cord that i had so the video if you go on to the youtube channel which please do it is helpful it's good stuff there <laughs> yes. i have some good tips for you but uh 
the stuff that you don't see that happens would definitely make mm-hmm. a blooper reel. So, mm-hmm. um, yes, there you go. Yeah, it was it was a, a little bit of a task to get that baby strapped to the tree, but it's there, and hopefully it's uh, collecting pictures. I made sure it was on. It was nice, taking, taking nice. yes. pictures of me during my struggle, and uh, so maybe I'll have some good blooper footage to uh, to post at some <laughs> point. But well, hey, you did you did you know then the number one key thing you did right you turned it on because I mean, it's <laughs> nothing worse than thinking like oh no. Did I did I not turn it on? That's the worst. Uh, so it's good stuff. Good. Yes, yes, for sure. I made sure it was. I made sure it was powered up and and uh, live and ready to go. I also got some um, how-to videos done while I was there on nice. um, patterning a shotgun for pheasants, and nice. um, I suppose it would also work for quail, and then yeah. also for uh, turkeys. So. Just you know Very how to cool. how to basically check and see how different ammo's moving through your barrel and down mm-hmm, the range mm-hmm. and and uh, how you can set up set up to do that on your own and it's really an important thing and yeah and um, something I think a lot of hunters don't do enough so yeah it was yeah, pro- it was it? a productive trip from that sense but the fishing was a bust man uh, yeah yeah what was the deal with that oh man it was it was it was a real bummer. I used to have uh, just excellent bass fishing there on that property, and yeah. um, I hadn't fished it for bass in, let's see, maybe four years or something like that. I'd okay. Done, I think I'd done some ice fishing out there since mm-hmm. then, but, but I hadn't done any bass fishing in a while, and you know it's just one of those things where you just expect it to... You expect to show back up, and it's as if yeah. things have never changed, right? But yeah, that was not the case, and I I think it's um, due to it's been a lot of cattle on that farm in the winters, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and just the nutrient load from yeah. all the manure around the ponds. The cows are in yeah. the ponds. I've seen them. Yeah, uh, when I've been out there shed hunting, they were in the pond, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and. I just think they were de- there was definitely a lot of eutrophication on yeah the one pond that I've really had a lot of success in the past and just an unbelievable amount of frogs which mm, wow which tells me there's nothing eating them you know what yeah, I mean yeah well said yeah and well so said. so and and we caught some nice bluegill or my, I should say my wife did I caught two really tiny ones when i finally gave up on the bass fishing and went to <laughs> right. a bobber and, and worm just to just to see what i could catch for bluegill but my wife caught some yeah. nice bluegill nice. which was yeah that was cool um but um i caught some real dinky bluegill out in the middle of the <laughs> pond which which if they're that far from cover around yeah. shore you know then that shows there's nothing nothing working too hard on them so right right yeah kind of a downer but it does open an opportunity and that opportunity is i'm going to contact the uh, county uh nrcs which is set up by uh usda i believe okay. every county i think in america has or you know there's probably some counties that share an nrcs but mm-hmm. have mm-hmm. a nrcs that assists with stuff like like a uh, pond um, reestablishment and oh, okay. and and even um, if you go on their website, one of their things that you know they're there for is to help you with some habitat 
management consulting. So very um, cool. Yeah, I'm gonna try and get in contact with them, and I thought you know that would be that would make for some really good material to to um, post going forward for first gen hunter. You know, is we've talked a lot about habitat management and yep. you know some of the goals that that uh, can be pursued through that, and so mm-hmm. um, yeah, I'm I'm. Uh, kind of looking forward to that opportunity down the road so yeah it's kind of a bummer with the fishing but um kind of made up with it or made up for it yesterday on father's day uh i took my son fishing and and uh he caught uh he we we didn't fish real long he's still only three so he you know he (laughs) he he loses interest after about three fish you know he feels like he's uh he's uh conquered the He's conquered the pond at that point, so uh, I don't want to, of course, push him too hard. So yes, so, yes, good, um, good move. You know, we caught three nice bluegill. One of them was just a really nice dark bluegill. Um, nice, yeah, beautiful was, fish. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and uh, he had a lot of fun. So he was he was all excited reeling them in and everything. So that's what that's what you want to see when you're uh, you're uh, outdoors dad right so yes 100 percent. and you know i love that too you know just kind of taking those times to maybe like you said an hour here an hour there just kind of the introduction and the you know beginning process of training and seeing them have some success i mean boy that makes all the difference as they start to get a little older you know those memories and those things stick with them and really you know lord willing kind of helps really time into it you know as, as they get older so that's pretty cool stuff yeah for sure yeah, so today on our episode to um, kind of uh, have something something uh, fun to uh, go back and forth on a little bit here. Yeah. The other day I was watching a, a TV show that my wife and I, we, we really liked the show. but It was kind of a, a whodunit, uh, mm-hmm. like murder mystery type show. I really like those. I don't watch a lot of uh, fiction stuff. Almost everything I watch is is nonfiction. Honestly, I don't really watch that much TV anymore. But but um, when I do, it's usually you know like History Channel or Discovery oh, yeah. or yeah or something along those lines. You know, mm-hmm. um, but I I am a sucker for for uh, whodunits just because you know it's a it's a thinking thing. I like to think through it and try and piece the story together and stuff and and so anyways it's it's something we like to do together on occasion and mm-hmm. and so uh we were watching this one and it took place in uh uh i believe in the uk and um it had hunting mm-hmm. mixed in with the episode okay and have you ever noticed that in hollywood when when uh hunting is attempted to be included within the the show or the movie or whatever it is that a lot of times the portrayal is a little bit <laughs> off <laughs> yeah oh yeah big time <laughs> uh, yeah yeah that definitely um that definitely happened in this episode um so so um 
I guess I thought it'd be kind of funny to. Now we don't want to. We don't want to name any titles here. We don't want to mm-hmm. be, mm-hmm. and we don't want to give give any information away that could lead people to uh, not not want to watch these shows mm-hmm. or, or movies mm-hmm. or anything. So so um, without giving away too many specifics, I thought it might be kind of funny to maybe mention something that you you'd seen in a in a movie or a show mm-hmm. in the past um that that uh was like oh boy this person clearly has not hunted and they <laughs> nobody in the involved in the production of this film or this show <laughs> has hunted right so one one thing that I had seen in a show before, these people were were hunting and they were actually uh, illegally hunting. I think they they didn't have permission or or, or somehow they they weren't doing things by yeah by the law, and they were hunting supposedly everything from like deer, horse, rabbits. You know, this is definitely within the yeah. realm of possibility, but like mm-hmm. deer, maybe even. Maybe even um, some some other large species of game, with these like super ornate, you know, thousands of dollars, uh, double barrel break action shotguns, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and and they had like multiple in their possession, you know, and and not mm-hmm. like we're not talking like you know these are. These are uh, millionaire people here. These are like common yeah. everyday people, and they, and they're they're taking them out and they're smoking deer and 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 uh, you know other large game with these uh, very very high end bird guns, mm. and uh, I just I got a tickle out of it. I was like, oh boy, just because it's a gun, <laughs> right, yeah, does right. not mean. <laughs> <laughs> that it is it is a universal tool for all forms of hunting and i yeah. you know not just that show though but i think i think you kind of can see that that uh portrayal in in other in other m- movies or, or shows yeah. as well you know where he as long as you have a gun you know you can hunt whatever you want so yeah what about yeah. you any anything stick out to you that that uh you've seen well, before well, what really kind of sticks out to me is, you know, from a from a real perspective, I call it kind of call it Hollywood hunting, but in the in the sense that I think sometimes the some of the popular hunting shows that are on TV um, do tend to give a bit of an unrealistic picture of what everyday hunting looks like, you know, and and so I, I think it's tough because when you're looking to introduce someone to the outdoors or mm. maybe someone you know, has kind of a fantastical view of what hunting is about. And then you get out there and it's like, huh, all right. So I, I might sit for hours and not see anything, you know, <laughs> um, you know, when you, or, or, you know what, you know, we even, we've talked about this a little bit before, you know, what is true success, you know, is true success being able to be out there, you know, enjoying the outdoors, you know, enjoying what you're seeing, whether it's the game animal you're chasing or not, or is it, okay, 
if I didn't get something, I was unsuccessful. If I did get something, I was successful. And, you know, I think some of these shows and, and some of them not maliciously, but I think some of the shows um, do kind of contribute to that line of thinking that, man, big bucks equals success. Um, you know, wow, if I'm not if I'm not seeing big bucks or I'm not seeing a bunch of deer, I'm, I must be doing something wrong. You know, things like that. When the reality is, in many cases, that's the exact opposite, you know, of what's really the case. You know, there's so many facets that go into, you know, the deer that you're seeing, you know, where you're located in the country, what are your food sources, you know, right. what what is, you know, what, what is your property? What is, what is the ability of your property to retain deer? You know, there's so many different facets. And then from there, once you diagnose some of those things, you know, you can try to determine what you can do about it. But it's, you know, I think it's very important for, for all of us, you know, to whether we're living our regular life or we're talking about the outdoor side of things is to kind of get away from that fantastical line of thinking and to kind of learn reality as we go. And hopefully we've got some mentors in our lives that, you know, right. man, I know even myself, you know, in mentoring hunters over the years, I mean, I'm thinking of two particular instances where, you know, a couple of my best friends, you know, it, it took us, I think it took us, oh, let's see, probably six seasons for the one and four three or four for the other to get them their first year. You know, there were some misses along the way. There were days where we didn't see any deer. There was days where, yeah. man, you know, the fellowship was, was about all there was, but you know what? It was part of the journey and it, and it, and it's an awesome part of the journey. And, and you know, when you finally connect, it makes it that much sweeter. So, you know, for, for those first gen hunters who are just getting into it, getting into it, or, or even those, you know what, I'll, I'll say this, you know, those, you know, those of us who are more experienced and we want to get someone into it. Sometimes it's very easy for those of us who, who are seasoned. We want someone to see all the good sides, but none of the bad sides. You know, yeah. when you're getting someone into something, man, you want them to just love it. You want them to have fun. You want them to see something. You want them to, you know, all of those things. And almost to the point where it can almost give, give you a little anxiety as, you know, because you're thinking, you know, man, I want this person to enjoy it. I want them to be successful, you know, um, but it's all part of the journey, you know, and it's, and you've got to be okay with that part of the journey um, because that's part of the process of learning, you know? And so, um, for, for those who are first gen hunters, Hey, it's okay. You know, it's, it's don't buy into that fantastical view, get out there and enjoy it, you know, and enjoy all the things that, that don't involve the, 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 the harvesting of an animal. If you can enjoy all of those things, man, you are going to just fall in love with things because then when you finally do, wow, it's going to be just that much more amazing. And for those who are seasoned, you know what, be okay with the process, be okay with showing people the nitty gritty, be okay with, you know what, you're not going to see deer every single time. That's okay. You know, so kind of being at peace with that process, I think is a pretty important thing. And something that, you know, whether you're talking about Hollywood and the, the standards that it kind of imposes on people, you know, in terms of how they look, you know, it kind of, you know, that, that same type of mentality is sometimes impressed upon us with hunting and fishing. And you know what, it, it doesn't, have to be like that we can kind of help set the groundwork and set the expectation in a right way for those new hunters in our lives that we're introducing it to great point great point yeah you know i think hunting shows serve a purpose right mm -hmm. um of course you know just like you know anything else you're going to have a preference for one thing over the next but yes. but I think it is, I think it is good to, to look at it in, in that right perspective, you know, and honestly, you know, from watching enough hunting shows myself, I think a lot of the producers mm -hmm. and, and, uh, quote unquote stars of the show would mm -hmm. probably 
tell you the same thing themselves because most of them seem to be yes. pretty good people, you know. And, yes. and that is, hey, I'm playing a role here that is largely entertainment. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and um, it, it is exactly as Brandon just described. It's the, <laughs> There's many hours that are edited out of those shows yes. where there yes. isn't something happening. Or... Mm-hmm. They are hunting on such a well-managed ranch or something mm-hmm. that the the target prevalence is just so high compared to your average piece of public ground or something like that that yes they they're just going to have more opportunities and so mm-hmm. and you know of course you can't take away either the fact that many of them have been hunting for a very long time and so to try and project yourself as a new hunter into uh, their position is, is uh, not, not a good thing to do. And, and, you know, so take it at its entertainment value. Maybe if you do yes. hear a few mm-hmm. good, good tips, you know, mm-hmm. then, then certainly uh, use those. And honestly, I've learned a lot about gear from those shows, you know, the, the of course, you know, some of it can be, you got to be careful there too. Some of it's just marketing, but, but yeah, a lot of it is good stuff, really good stuff, and and for sure. um, that's one of the another struggle for for uh, that I remember when I was getting into it is just knowing okay, what do I need to look for, you know, as far as equipment to use and and sure. other products that I need, and so you know, take take the good and and I might, I mean, I'm sure there's some shows that I haven't seen or or something that maybe you could say get rid of the bad, but maybe just be wise about what's reality and and what's had to be trimmed down to fit the show into a 22 minute program or something you know so yeah so you have to those are those are really wise words from Brandon there you have to be i guess maybe discerning is the right word when you when you watch that stuff certainly be entertained but also keep your feet on the ground <laughs> yes well said and and don't don't uh, feel bad about yourself if you're not you're not seeing what they see so yeah kind well of said. along those lines of being educated though and being a new hunter and and um learning as we go through hunting takes us to our focus of today's episode today is a next gen hunter episode and mm-hmm. uh, we'll explain what that's about a little bit later once we have our our interview on the phone with us. But we're going to actually yes. visit with a student from the high school that I work at, also the high school that I graduated from. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. I have not had this student in class, and I, this will be the first time that I actually have talked to him, not through email. <laughs> Or, or texting. <laughs> That's awesome. So yeah. So um, uh, it'll be it'll be great to uh to to talk with this person and this person is Mr. Nate Olson, and uh, he just graduated high school. He's um uh big time hunter, uh, outdoorsman really in general, and um uh, just from talking with him through email this spring we uh actually uh. Another teacher at the school I work with, who we're both uh, like to talk outdoors with, um, he actually mm-hmm. kind of connected us. Said, "Hey, uh, Nate, you should uh, talk about your shed hunting exploits with uh, 
Mr. Boucher. And so he uh, reached, reached out to me and, and uh, sent me some um, some uh, pictures of the sheds he'd found this spring and, and stuff like that. And so we, we kind of uh, started talking back and forth through email and, and um, led to me asking him if he'd be interested in doing an interview on the show. And so I'm looking forward to uh, getting Nate here on the line in, in just a minute for our first installment of the next gen hunter feature here on the first gen hunter podcast love it so let's uh get nate here on the phone and uh start asking away all right do you use some kind of landowner map of some sort for hunting or for shed hunting you're trying to get permission is what I'm talking about here. So maybe you're using a county plat map or maybe using one of the popular new apps that you can uh, pay for a subscription for. Whatever it is, if you aren't using one, you need to. However, as great as these tools are for finding out who owns what, many times the information is not enough to get a conversation with the landowner. Maybe they live out of town, maybe you can't find their phone number, maybe just a company LLC partnership is listed as the landowner. Whatever the problem is, you can't ask for the permission to be on the property if you can't get in contact with whoever it is that owns it. So, although most hope is lost in this situation, not all hope is lost. Aside from knocking on the door, getting contact info from a renter or a neighbor, there is one trick I have used before. If you see a property that just looks good to you, like it's prime deer hunting or shed hunting, keep an eye out for some kind of posting that includes a phone number. Maybe they have a car for sale. Maybe they have chickens and they're selling eggs. Maybe they mow and sell hay to other hobbyists with horses and cattle, whatever it is. Use that phone number to make contact with the landowner and ask for their permission to enjoy their property. Now, let's hear from Nate Olson, a next-gen hunter. Welcome back, all you first-gen hunter podcast addicts. I hope you're addicted. That'd be really cool. I, I, I would mm-hmm. feel, Brandon, wouldn't you feel honored if people were addicted to listening to all the nonsense we talk about? What's what's there not to be addicted to? I mean, we're talking about hunting. We're talking about the outdoors, different things. I mean, hey, it's what we love. And so, you know what? Become addicted with us is what we say. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. And the first, the first fate or the first step to overcoming addiction is to admit you have a problem and I never plan to do that. So <laughs> well said, well said we, we can be in denial. It's fine. That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, today is a extra special edition of the podcast. It's our first ever episode of a next gen hunter feature. Wait a minute. I thought it was called first gen hunter. What is next gen hunter, Brandon? Well, next gen hunter would be that that second generation that you know maybe they grew up in a in a you know in a different way. Maybe their dad got them into it. Maybe they had you know individuals who you know kind of blossomed that love for them. You know when they were younger, and so now they're 
a second gen hunter and you know the, the cool thing about second gen hunters are you know what it's it, second gen hunters are the primary force for how we create you know future hunters so the ability to facilitate that is what we're all about so we're excited to be able to interview Nate and kind of go through some different questions and, and kind of hear his take on things and uh, excited to all learn and grow together. Spot on. Excellent description. Yep. We brought in somebody who is a younger hunter, certainly not new to hunting. In fact, he probably has more hunting experience than I do. We'll find out here sh shortly though. But uh, Nate, great to have you on the show tonight, man. Yeah. Thanks for having me. For sure. Nate and I kind of met through an interesting way. Um, Nate attended, I say attended because congratulations, graduate of 2020, the craziest year of high school graduation since probably, <laughs> uh, I don't know, Vietnam or World War II or something like that. Yeah, right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But, uh, interesting, uh, ending to, uh, 13 years of sw blood, sweat, and tears. Yeah, very. <laughs> well, you survived it, and we actually met. I did not have Nate in class. In fact, uh, I think this is the first time Nate and I have ever knowingly talked in person. All the other talking we've done is through email, and uh, it's not even that big of a high school. Uh, about 400 kids and, and some change, I guess we could say, right? Maybe, maybe uh -huh. 420 or something like that. Um, but... Uh, we actually m were kind of introduced through a mutual friend, another teacher in the school who's also an outdoorsman. And uh, I was kind of talking with him because uh, during the shutdown, right when that happened, was right in the heart of shed hunting season. And I was kind of talking to him how his shed hunting season was going. He's like, hey, I got this student uh, that you need to meet and you need to talk to because he's a really good shed hunter and... He basically loves anything that goes on outdoors. And I was like, yeah, that'd be cool. So, or, or actually, I think he told, didn't he, didn't he say that to you first, Nate? And then I think you contacted me and you kind of started telling me about your shed hunting exploits for the year. Yeah, I'd been showing him pictures throughout the beginning of shed season. And then he's like, hey, you need to send these to Mr. Boucher. He'd really appreciate seeing them. So I think that's how it all started. Yeah, I think you're right. And he was right. Those pictures were impressive. You guys really uh, stacked them up this year. Yeah, I think we found close to 50 antlers. And wow. Probably 14 or 15 dead bucks we found, actually. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's right. And now that you say that, I remember we had quite a conversation about EHD and, and really how it, if I remember right, it was your understanding that there was probably a pretty good EHD outbreak in in uh, the county where you hunt this last summer, right? Was that kind of what you, yeah. you were thinking? Those were pretty fresh yeah, we deadheads, figured, right? Yeah, we figured EHD found us pretty hard. I mean, we found some older deadheads, but a majority of them had been from this past summer. And actually, some of them still had velvet dried oh, to wow. their horns wow and some of them were still so early in the growing process that there the, there was no weight to the skull you could leave imprints in their antlers with your fingernails just wow they died early wow yeah there was a little bit of that 
uh, I should say, uh, Nate hunts on the Illinois side of the river. We both live in the uh, uh, in a part of the state where I live in Iowa, but I drive across the river every day to teach in Illinois, mm. and mm-hmm. he lives on the Illinois side of the river. So there was some EHD in Iowa as well, kind of south-central Iowa. Um, I won't be surprised if there's a little bit more of that this year. It's been a pretty, except for May, June was pretty dry. Um, yeah. It, it's been... It's been pretty hot and dry towards the second mm-hmm. half of the month, and that's when the deer kind of start congregating on those watering holes yep. and yep. the midges hatch and mm-hmm. start spreading mm-hmm. around. So hopefully uh, hopefully that's not going to be the case, although I did hear that, that maybe there was already some, some cases of that documented kind of in the same areas last year. So it's probably going to mm-hmm. start to get kind of hard on the deer herd, but those are also some of the most prevalent deer herds in the state of Iowa there so mm-hmm. hopefully it avoids Nate's neck of the woods though um, but yeah so Nate great great shed hunter um, I'm gonna guess here as we as we get into this so we talked about you just graduated from high school um, I imagine most of your hunting for the past I don't know maybe three four five years has probably been out of your own stand and on your own time you know probably driving yourself out to where you want to hunt but i'm i'm guessing that before that you uh grew up hunting with with uh some kind of a mentor oh yeah so my grandpa he's hunted ever since he was a kid that's how he always tells stories about that's how if you wanted to eat you had to go out and kill your own food (laughs) and so actually my grandpa was more of a a bird hunter and small game hunter. He said growing up, seeing a deer was like seeing a unicorn. Mm, so yeah. my grandpa, he didn't start deer hunting until, um, I'd say around the early, early 90s probably. Okay. Up until then, he was a big pheasant hunter. Traveled all the way, Kansas, Iowa, all over mm. the place, pheasant hunting. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I've heard the same thing from my grandfather. Um, he's, as I, the listeners of the show know, he's lived in the same house his entire life. Mm-hmm. And I've I've asked him, you know, when you've lived in the same place, and I'd like to actually get an interview with him sometime for the show just to kind of yes. see through the eyes of someone who's who's lived it, you know, what what has the, how has the wildlife, the scope of wildlife in his area changed through his lifetime, but he's kind of said the same thing that Nate's grandpa said, you know, not that really not that long ago, these mm-hmm. animals that we kind of just take as, Oh, those are everywhere. Mm-hmm. Not that long ago. That was not the case. Yeah. And it really was, <laughs> as Nate's grandpa said, a unicorn moment, you know, something that would make the papers if somebody saw a deer. And yeah. And so, you know, that's a good Testament though. Um, although we may think our grandparents are super old, um, <laughs> uh, they, it's really not that much time to where now we're, we've also talked about in previous episodes, um, where according to QDMA, 
people might have a hard time believing this, but that QDMA is a very reliable resource on, on deer mm-hmm. research. We aren't killing enough deer as hunters. Yeah. And so we're starting to actually see some of the problems like EHD um, yeah. that, and, and of course, chronic wasting disease being the, the worst. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. These diseases that come as a result of there being too much of a population of deer mm-hmm. and and uh so it, it's proof that the north american model for wildlife management that has really been yeah been um adopted throughout our country really throughout our our continent really um mm-hmm. over the last oh you know probably probably 70 years i would say mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. with yep. with the 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 most fruit of that, I guess you could say, coming in the last fifty, but uh, it's really, really gained some ground for wildlife populations in our in our country, and and we can be thankful for that. But so you you grew up hunting with your grandpa. Um, did he kind of uh, introduce you to the hunting world through that small game and and pheasant quail? Uh, direction, or did you go ahead and jump straight into a deer stand the first time you ever went hunting? Yeah, so once once I started getting to hunting, I didn't really small game hunt, and I still don't. I just, I was straight in the deer woods. As, as soon as I could walk, I was going along. What I wasn't carrying a gun, but I'd go sit in a stand with them, and <laughs> it actually, if they killed a deer when I was in school, they would come get me, and I would go out there and <laughs> track it with them. That's hey, awesome. that's 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 on that that's on the job training right there. That's good stuff. No better reason yeah. to get out of school than for something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, good, good. That's I'm sure you have a lot of um, great memories that'll last your entire life of, of that quality time spent with, with, uh, your grandfather. Um, in fact, uh, that's kind of what Brandon's, uh, he and, he and his brother, their, their brand that they're putting together celebrates that they're over at mm-hmm. the hunt fish life, uh, com. They, they, um, mm-hmm. they celebrate that very aspect of hunting, that, that community, that bonding that we share through, um, people like our grandparents or or dads or uncles or maybe our neighbor or 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 even a teacher you know Uh, the the relationships built around that are so important yeah and and uh actually yesterday was father's day and uh i gotta take my son out fishing for a little bit and he he uh you know, started started feeling like an old pro after he reeling in his third uh, bluegill yesterday. So, <laughs> so nice. uh, already uh, kind of headed down that that direction with yep. my son. But yeah, well, that's that's special. So, I'm gonna guess based on what you just said there, Nate. Deer hunting is your favorite. Oh, by far. Awesome. Now, now, Nate, in terms of like you know what you've learned over the years you know what's what's kind of your favorite way to hunt deer you know do you have a preference in terms of your setup and and things like that i i like hunting timber i like yeah especially around us we got big thick timbers so if Mm -hmm. you're seeing deer they're right on top of you and there's there's just nothing more exciting than that Mm, mm. 
Yeah, when you get them in that close, you know, it's it's there's something special, you know. It's you never, you know, it's cool to even after you've seen a lot of deer, you know, and you've seen different bucks over the years, you know, to just kind of get amped up, you know, another one's coming through the woods I and mean, it's just kind of that never-ending excitement that happens, you know, even if it's it could be the, you know, it could be the 50th deer you've seen in the season or whatever, you're just getting excited, you know, there's just something that just drives that passion, you know. Yeah, it's it's definitely something you won't feel anywhere else. <laughs> now, are you are you a are you a deer stand hunter? Or are you a you know are you kind of a spot and stalk type type person? What's your what's your preferred setup on that type of thing? I like I like sitting in a stand in that, but I like yeah. getting in close on the ground. Okay. Oh, cool. Okay. Nice. Nice. Okay. So if you if you had to if you had to say your preference, what would you say? Uh, I'd sit on the ground. And a ghillie suit with no ground blind. Nice. Okay. Nice. Okay. That's awesome. So you should you do that? You you use the the ghillie suit and and do that? Yep. I actually the first deer I killed this past season, I had four does under fifteen yards, and I shot one of them with my bow. Nice, man. That is awesome. It's like a like something out of a video game, sniping. You know, that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> that really is really cool. cool. Nice, nice. Now, did you prefer the bow side of things, or do you, do you have a preference on that side? Um, so, actually, I haven't bow hunted. I mean, I've bow hunted for a while, but I grew up gun hunting with my dad mm-hmm. and grandpa. That's all they'd ever done. Okay. And so, my first year bow hunting was 2013, and my dad and grandpa would go with, but they would just sit in one of their stands while I mm-hmm. sat and hunted. Mm-hmm. So, grandpa finally, I got him talked into a crossbow. Oh, and the first sit of the season with him, he shot his first ever deer with archery equipment. And nice. He actually, he actually killed a deer with archery equipment before I had it, I did. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? How cool is that? Because yeah. you, as a second gen hunter, you got someone who had gotten you into hunting. You actually got them into a different yeah. facet. So, I mean, that's really interesting how you know, a second gen hunter, you know, taught a first gen or a second gen hunter taught someone who had taught them, you know, a different facet about hunting. So that's kind of goes to show that, you know, even if you've been in hunting for a long time, maybe you haven't explored a certain avenue like archery or something. And so kind of cool to work together to enjoy that. So that's a pretty neat story. Yeah, it was fun. And then I think the following year I got my dad into it and he actually, he sat twice due to his work schedule and he killed a buck is first set and a doe is second set. So oh man! He okay, pretty, he was pretty much hooked after that. <laughs> man, that is awesome. Well, good stuff, man. Kudos to you for getting him into it, and obviously already seeing success. That's amazing. Yeah, it's fun. You know, I'm glad you mentioned that, Nate. Um, some of our listeners probably already know this, but but maybe not all. In fact, I imagine Brandon probably doesn't know this because he's all the way out on the, on the East Coast, and so he probably doesn't pay too close of attention to changing game laws in uh, Midwestern states. But maybe he does. Mm-hmm. I, shouldn't, I shouldn't assume that. <laughs> but but um, Illinois just went to that um, that new allowance for anyone during the archery season and correct me if i'm wrong here nate all archery season long can use a crossbow is that correct yes all archery season and that's i think that's only been maybe three or four years yeah but prior to prior to that you had to be 
62 or a disability have a disability or after the second firearm season anyone could use a crossbow mm, okay yeah. yep yeah and you know in the the archery world you know uh bow hunters can get you know, bow hunters and gun hunters will go round and round right they'll they'll pick on each other but at the end mm-hmm. of the day we're all mm-hmm. we're all friends uh but but um one of the things where bow hunters can kind of start picking on each other is the whole crossbow debate. And I personally have no problem with with um, people hunting with a crossbow. Um, in fact, given the right circumstances, I would probably I would probably choose to do it myself. You know, if I would mm-hmm. if I was hunting out of state and only had a really narrow window, yep. and um, you know, really wanted to chance at getting a deer i think a crossbow kind of increases that opportunity a little bit you know it takes out some of the some of the um margin of error i guess that you have mm-hmm. in a regular compound or even you know especially somebody who likes to shoot trad but assuming in that case uh that person uh is probably very efficient with a bow anyways but um i i really think that from a, a first-gen hunter standpoint and kind of our, our mission here to help new hunters, I think crossbows have provided a tremendous avenue for new hunters to get into the sport. And yeah. the, that story there about your, your grandfather and your dad, Nate, I think are excellent proof of that. I know talking with one of uh, my students that I had in class this last year, she had gone out with her dad and she had used a crossbow. And, you know, I, I just think that because archery seasons, typically most places are such longer seasons that mm-hmm. it's, it's really good to have that, that additional tool in the toolbox for, for archery hunters um, that hasn't always been there in the past, you know, kind of like Nate described. That's, basically what Nate described there I think there's a few differences but that's pretty much the same line of of laws in Iowa and and I don't think that it's wrong for states to still be restrictive on that you know there's reasons for that they sure. want to protect a, a commodity right but mm-hmm. but I do think that that crossbows are excellent for for um helping uh hunters get into the archery world and even experienced hunters you know it's yep. uh, it's it's good to know that you're as lethal as as you can be and we've we've talked about that in in a past episode you know just sometimes things don't work out how we hope they yeah we, we end up getting a non-vital shot or something like that on a deer and you know we got to live with that so um, well, I, and when you think about it too, you know, just when you think about it from the the wildlife management standpoint, you know, states are getting pretty creative now in terms of you know how they manage the the population because in some states, you know, and, and really across the country, in in some respects, you've got decreasing you know numbers of hunters, and you know, one of the things we've reflected on during 
you know, with COVID and everything is that there's been kind of a renewed interest, which is amazing. But, you know, you have these state wildlife agencies that are, are thinking, just like Kent just very well said, you know, man, there's almost too many deer. You know, how can we be creative to yes. kind of unleash the opportunity for people to, you know, number one, get into it, you know, so so crossbows and some of those interesting things are, are helpful. And then two, you know, how can we balance the deer population? You know, and for instance, in Delaware, you know, the deer population is about 30,000. So that's, so it's about 30,000 when you enter the season. Um, and the, the state wildlife agency, their goal is to see half of that population killed during, you know, harvested yeah. during the deer season. So there's typically about 15,000 deer that are harvested. And then, you know, you, the, the, it kind of repeats itself. And so it's kind of interesting to see the different states getting creative in what they're doing to help facilitate the management of these animals. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I think that's, I think that's a really cool story you have there, Nate, about, and, and even as Brandon said, uh, somebody who's, who was introduced to hunting by these people, turns around and kind of <laughs> is able to repay the favor by getting him into yes. hunting. That's, that's really an awesome, awesome story. Well, Nate, one thing that um, we've talked about a little bit is you did quite a bit of shed hunting this spring. And something that Brandon and I did clear back at episode two was we raided our spring outdoor activities. And I think we went with um, sheds, um, turkey hunting, mushroom hunting, and um, any spring fishing we had done. So uh, real quick here, sounds like you had a pretty good shed season. How does it... How does it rank compared to uh, your previous years of shed hunting? Was it was it like uh, one of your best years, or was it kind of an oh. average year for you? No, it was it was by far my best year. It was probably probably the most miles I've put on too, looking for antlers. I got a lot of I got a lot picked up a lot of new ground this year to actually just shed hunt on, and that that really helped my numbers a lot. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Yeah, so you said you were up in the fifties this year. That's that's really that's really incredible. It's incredible. You know, that yeah. was kind of that was kind of a, you know, for, from a student standpoint. Of course, as a teacher, I still had plenty of work to do, but um, not having to be in school every day that probably uh, made things a little bit easier to get those miles on your boots, huh? Yeah, it was. I was I was out for at least two or three hours almost every day of the week. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yep. Yep. Hey, that's. That's uh that's a good way to take advantage of the mm-hmm. circumstance. There's nothing wrong with getting outside, stretching your legs, getting that fresh air. That's There's right. Certainly worse things you could be using your time for. So I'm mm-hmm. all I'm all for it. Um what about uh what about mushrooms? Did you did you uh take any time to go uh looking for any morels this spring? Uh I think I went once maybe, but we don't really have any spots like we have permission on to mush that are good for mushrooms, but right. I actually found more mushrooms turkey hunting than I did oh, actually nice. looking for mushrooms. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of a it was kind of a weird spring for mushrooms. You know, it was we didn't really have the moisture and the heat line up quite right, and and yeah, it was kind of a later kind of a later. Uh, uh, year for for mushrooms so yeah that doesn't that doesn't surprise me so speaking of turkeys then i already know you had some success there you sent me a couple of uh, pictures of some uh, birds that uh, you were able to 
rake in. Um, and I think you guided somebody successfully too. Or am I right? Yeah, I took a, I took a few kids out, or even just older friends. And I think as a group of who I hunt with, we killed probably fifteen to twenty birds this spring. Wow! Wow! That's awesome. That is awesome. Yeah, I, you know, I think um, you kind of you, I think Western Illinois kind of gets lost in the shuffle a little bit on whitetails and and turkeys. You know, um, as somebody who drives across the countryside, uh, the school <laughs> the school that uh, Nate and I are are at every day is in the absolute middle of nowhere. <laughs> So, mm-hmm. so you get to drive a lot of country roads on your way there. And I see so many turkeys and, um, of course a lot of deer as well, but mm-hmm. yeah, Western, Western Illinois is, is, um, it's, it's got it going on for, for turkeys and deer. So, and actually I think pheasants are kind of making a little bit of a comeback as well. I'm starting to see and, and hear about more, uh, pheasants as well. So good things in, in that part of the state and, Certainly your uh, turkey success there is evidence of that. Um, uh, what about fishing? Do any fishing this spring? Uh, yeah, I, I, we, we have a few farm ponds out here that we just, me and my buddies fish, and we got on the crappies pretty good. But as soon as the bass started to hit, that's what we're all into. So we instantly, <laughs> instantly left the crappies alone, and we went right to the bass. And we were we caught multiple fish, pushing six pounds a spring, and nice. Uh, it was just awesome. Yeah, that's that's a sounds like you've had a good spring. Well, that's great. Well, um, before we transition into, uh, I guess maybe you could say the more serious part of this episode, we're going to talk about. Uh, kind of some hunting issues that most directly affect next-gen hunters. Well, you know, younger mm-hmm. hunters kind of coming into that, again, that adult phase of of hunting where you're kind of calling your own shots all the time and, and uh, you know, becoming the next the next movers and shakers in the hunting world. Um, what has been, in all of your years of hunting... And uh, as specifically as you can state it, what has been your best hunting moment so far? I probably, my my first big buck that I killed, just it just sent a different spark in me. And mm. it just, it just drove me more and more wild for that. And. Mom, mom don't like it because I'm never home <laughs> in the fall now, and I just I started putting a lot more time into deer than just what I have in the past, and it really just started producing for me, and just success year after year is really just keeping me going through it. Well, give us give us the scope of that you know that first you know deer that first big buck that you got. What was the what was the quick story on him? All right, so fourth grade, opening day of gun season, we got out late, and we're actually, I actually missed the buck walking in. That's how, mm. that's how late, that's how late we were getting to the stand. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and so we didn't, at the time, we didn't, we were pretty sure I missed him, 
but so we just went and sat in the stand and it was like a little after eight i was sitting with my grandpa and i said i, I want to get i want to get down so we got down and i think we maybe walked 15 or 20 yards and dad shot through the timber so we're just standing there and all of a sudden it's just big white rack running right at us oh and man I shot that deer at about seven steps. Oh my goodness! Wow! And we ran out. We ran out into the opening, and down the hill, Dad is dancing over the creek, and we, <laughs> we walked down there, and the buck had just leaped off the bank of the creek, and he was sitting at the bottom, dead. Man. Oh my goodness! That's amazing. I, so, so had your dad shot at that same deer initially? Yeah, my dad actually hit the deer. And then he ran up to me, and I shot him again. Wow. that it was the same deer that my dad had just shot at. Wow. Oh, man. That is so, they, so cool. He ended up going 178. Whoa. Wow. Yeah, he was a giant. Just He had stickers and trash everywhere. Oh, my goodness. That is, that's, a, that's a hoss right there. Yeah. That is... that was that, that's the first deer I ever killed. Well, that's a that's a way to kick things off right there. <laughs> yeah, it is, and I I haven't killed one that big since. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's a that's a that is a giant. Did you uh, look into doing any measurements with uh, Boone and Crockett or or Pope and Young? No, we didn't. But I like I kind of figured out how to measure myself, and with all of his deductions, he didn't break Boone and Crockett, but. He sure. Was, he's he's in the Pope and Young by a long shot. Yeah. 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 That's that's awesome. I think I just heard the other day that that uh, what's Boone and Crockett's minimum one sixty, but one one seventy. All one seventy. So yeah, probably with sounds like it was a non typical rack, but yeah, honestly, that's if, if someone had asked me what my preference was, I'm I'm a sucker for the the non-typicals all, all day long those yeah i, I, yeah, I just yeah. love all the extra trash and stickers mm -hmm, and kickers mm -hmm. and everything else that's yep yep i love all that character that's that's really cool but mm -hmm. awesome man that's you know i'm i i hope you uh get to i guess surpass your uh lifetime uh buck there yeah. but man that's that's gonna be a tough one to beat but, but yes, hopefully hopefully you can uh log the the hours and maybe do a little traveling around and hit a few other states and, and just get yourself in front of a lot of deer, uh, in the future and, and get another crack at a, another giant like that. That's, that's really cool. Yep. Well, as I said, we're going to transition now kind of into, I don't know if I should say more serious part of the show. Cause let's be honest, Brandon and I were never that serious. <laughs> <laughs> but that's true <laughs> but it gets me in trouble sometimes right i actually have this <laughs> i have this curse that when somebody gets like really mad at me and they're like they're like getting ready to chew me out or something or or um something that's i mean it's not like a life and death thing i'm not that much of a mm -hmm. jerk but if something like <laughs> kind of serious you know happens and they're like they like come up to me and like spring it on me for whatever reason, my depraved brain will like trigger me to start laughing. 
It's terrible. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, I've done well to keep as many teeth as I have this far because I've deserved to be slugged many times. But, but anyways, uh, that that curse kicks in on this show too. We don't, we we probably don't take it as seriously as we should sometimes. But this is, I guess, more of our our uh, our serious moment, if there is one, for this episode, and that's discussing some of the the next gen uh i guess we could say issues um you know concerns for next gen hunters and this is something that when we do future episodes of of interviewing a next gen hunter um something that i would kind of like to uh, continue to to bring up just to get a good survey of what what some of the newer I guess newer hunters, but also just younger hunters, as they're they're looking at okay, this this is the world that we're getting ready to step into as adults. How does hunting play into that? How does it concern me? And so, uh, you know, I think Brandon's already said it clear back at the beginning of the show. It is so important that we have new and young hunters coming into the hunting world just to keep it going right you know um yep. brandon and i both have kids that we hope hunt someday and um and not just not just hunt but hunt responsibly and and again in previous episode we kind of drew the line between what's a hunter and what's a killer right you know somebody mm-hmm. who yep. who doesn't respect the animal certainly you know maybe poaches or or does things that are technically illegal or, or something like that we i don't really classify them as a hunter but um certainly um guys that are doing it right you know they're kind of in a way bridging that gap even for um brandon and and my kids to enjoy the the sport someday you know that's yeah. they're they're going to be the next ones kind of uh um maybe even working in some of those um, DNR or fish, wildlife and parks or, yep. or, um, uh, us fish and wildlife, uh, you know, they're going to be that next generation. That's kind of helping manage the hunting world and the wildlife that, that we all love so much. And so I yep. think it's really important to, to hear people like Nate and, and, you know, get, get their perspective on things, where things are going in the hunting world in, in their mind and what they would maybe like to see change, what they like, um, maybe what they feel they could learn from us uh, older hunters and what older hunters could learn from them. So we're going to kind of pick pick Nate's brain here a little bit on that. And so yeah. um, let's just go ahead and start here, Nate, with... I'm kind of putting you on the spot here with this question because it's kind of a tough question. But what do you think older hunters, um, uh, what do you think older hunters can do to bring more younger hunters into this sport? So I'll be honest and admit I'm one of these that'll do this, but I think a lot of the older guys out there are just more focused on killing bigger deer and mm-hmm. if you don't kill a big mm-hmm. deer it's not okay but a lot like even my grandpa my grandpa he if it's walking in front of him he's gonna shoot it mm-hmm. but a lot a lot of these guys it's all about the numbers now and they just don't yep they don't i feel like they don't truly respect 
of what they have in front of them. Mm. Yeah, well said. Yeah, for yeah. Sure. I, I like I, I like what you said, and and I think that's, you know, I think that is really indicative of a lot of what we see on TV. You know, in terms of the emphasis, and you know, I know we'll talk about this probably more another time. But you know, when when you kind of when you hear about that a lot, you know, and and sometimes even in the in the context of managing deer and and some of these things, you know, some of these organizations, it's it's great stuff, and and I think they do a good job for the most part emphasizing that it's not about. It's not truly about the score of a rack, you know, that's the most important thing. But when you hear about it a lot, when you see it within the context of a lot of the shows that you watch, it's very easy to to become like that. And then maybe you have some friends who, man, you'll never believe the, the buck that I got. You know, it, you start hearing those things and it can be easy to kind of designate that as real success as compared to, like Nate said, really respecting the game that is in front of you and enjoying some of those opportunities where, hey, you know what, maybe you had an amazing hunt you got to take an awesome doe you know what, that's special, you know, and not, and not relegating that to second tier type status. So I think that's really important what Nate said. Yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree with you there, Brandon. And yeah, that is a, that is a really good point, Nate. Um, do you think, Nate, and again, this is kind of putting you on the spot here, but do you think that if we're going to kind of reverse course on that, because I'm sure it is kind of off-putting to somebody who's, maybe new to hunting if you know it kind of almost uh it kind of almost makes you self-conscious as a new hunter especially if you're hunting with somebody who's who's just all about like you said the the numbers on a on a deer um how do you think we can kind of i don't know push back against that but maybe maybe uh reset our course for for just confirming to people that hey kind of like your grandpa's attitude if there's a deer walking in front of me and i just like that deer or i just like the opportunity or i like this situation how it unfolds um how do how do we you think we can communicate that better to younger and new hunters uh i think but like just if they kill maybe it's not the biggest buck in the world but just congratulate them let them know you're proud of them and that what they did was amazing and maybe don't like just brag so much about your bigger deer because eventually they're going to have their chance at a bigger deer. But if they want to shoot a smaller deer, just let them because as long as it's a trophy in their eyes, it should be a trophy in anyone's eyes. Yeah. Well said again. Very well said. <laughs> wisdom, wisdom ahead of your years here, Nate. That's, yes. that's good stuff. Yes. That's, that's really good stuff. Um, and I like what you said there. If they hunt long enough, they're going to get those opportunities for those those giants. And the only way they're going to hunt enough is if they're truly enjoying what they're doing. So if we add all this additional pressure that, oh, i got to kill a buck that's, you know, pushing uh, something that would, like we just talked about, would, would score for Boone and Crockett or score for Pope and Young, you know, then that's... You're you're gonna go a lot of years where you're not even pulling a trigger because, uh, like you said, uh, it's been since fourth grade when you saw that uh, giant that you killed and and uh, you haven't seen one like him since and you you hunt quite a bit so uh, if if you wrap 
all of your hopes and dreams around that, then you're just not going to be in the woods enough. And, and that's not what we want. We want people to, like like Nate mentioned, just truly enjoying it. If it's a trophy in their eyes, it should be a trophy in anyone's eyes. That's that's quotable right there. Maybe maybe we can get a T-shirt going in the first-gen hunt. Yes. I called it, Brandon. <laughs> you can't put it on hunt fish. I love that. You got it. You got it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Uh, so let's kind of transition then from that into um, what do you think young hunters can still learn from older hunters? So maybe someone even like yourself who's been hunting for a while, as you look at guys who've been, been hunting for decades, you know, someone like Brandon who's been hunting for 30 years, um, what do you think something that people kind of in your age range or maybe even a little younger than you, what's a skill or maybe a... a uh, way that uh, an attitude or, or, or a demeanor that younger hunters would do well to adopt for themselves? Uh, one thing that I, I have a problem with is letting them get close. Like don't, don't rush <laughs> yourself because it's, it's just going to make more likely that something's going to go wrong. Mm-hmm. Or, so, like grandpa, he's, he don't. He, the last four or five years, I don't think he's killed a deer over thirty yards. Wow! Mm-hmm. Like he just the patience he has compared to mine is just <laughs> crazy. Uh, yep. Well, and it's and it's interesting that you mentioned that because you know many times you know you look at these older hunters and you can very clearly tell that they've kind of gotten to the point the 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 maturity in their hunting to where they're not just about getting that next year down they're not just about you know the score they're they're really about the journey they're about you know the the pursuit you know and and getting that animal inside you know 30 yards or having that experience and maybe maybe it comes in and they're like you know what man it was great to see it i don't need to shoot that deer i can i can let it walk off i mean it's it's kind of how they they get into that next level maturity of of enjoying it and which doesn't always mean that you have to harvest an animal which is pretty special to be able to see and something that all of us i think kind of as we get older we start to kind of get more mature and that helps us you know help other hunters kind of start to grow in that level of maturity. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a good point. And, you know, I often think I get impatient with just the wait time sometimes, you know, those hours where you're not seeing anything and it doesn't seem like you're going to see anything. And it's like, man, should I just go in and, and relax, take a nap or, but really that patience, that, and part of that is, you know, Brandon and I are kind of, we're halfway cell phone mm-hmm. generation, you know, it kind of mm-hmm. started coming out when we were in high school and, and, and college where everyone started getting a cell phone and, and stuff like that. But Nate, your generation, man, they're, they're about the first ones to come through where I imagine most of your friends have had cell phones for most of, uh, their junior high, high school, maybe even middle school experience. Am I right? Yeah. So, so, uh, you know, just, just that, uh, that training of the brain to be able to access something so quickly, you know, that can kind of, uh, deaden our, our sense of patience that, that, you know, real, real experienced hunters, uh, that, you know, are, have been doing it for decades. They probably, they probably 
didn't have those things at at their disposal for so long so they've they've uh, had to learn that patience much earlier on so that's a that's a yeah. good one to to highlight there uh so let's flip let's flip the tables here what do you see in in older hunters we talked about the thing with uh you know maybe uh older hunters can can put too much too much weight on the numbers behind a buck what's something like maybe a specific skill or something that you think younger hunters are good at that older hunters should uh, maybe take a look at and say, you know what, uh, even though I'm, I've been doing this for a long time, that's something that, that uh, this younger generation of hunters is, is doing or trying that I, I need to consider for myself. So I think I, like getting out and hunting with friends because like mm. grandpa when he first started deer hunting he was all by himself and i think if you can get so me and my buddies we have double sets so if mm. we're hunting if we're both hunting the same farm we're both sitting together so that mm-hmm. that'll really help time pass and it, it'll make it a lot more enjoyable too if you are get to sure. witness them shoot something or they get to witness you harvest something as well so Wow. Love that. I mean, you know, one of the things, you know, Nate, that we've, we talked about a lot is just that brotherhood and sisterhood, you know, in the, in the outdoors and enjoying those things together and how, you know, when we get people into it, or maybe it's not even necessarily getting someone into it. Maybe it's, you know, you're kind of hunting with someone of kind of equal, you know, knowledge or whatever, just being out there and enjoying that friendship and, and talking and enjoying, I mean, it, it amplifies, it doesn't take away from the experience. It amplifies the experience. So it's pretty cool that you're as someone who's a young guy, but has been hunting for a long time. You know, you, you've experienced that and you're like, man, if we're, if we're on the same farm together, we're going to hunt together, you know, cause we're going to have a good time. So, I mean, that's pretty cool that you've experienced that. Yeah. So actually the last few years I've, I've never shot a deer with someone else with me they've always been the one who shot one so wow watching that excitement i mean i get just i get just as excited as they do but yes that's awesome that's really cool well nate let's uh start talking future here so just graduated high school uh actually we we uh had to nate nate's a guy in demand he, we had to we had to wait on him here at a first gen hunter for, for him to get <laughs> get done talking with some other people. His college is a baseball coach. Is that is that who yeah, you're talking baseball. with? Yeah. And I'm guessing you chose baseball because uh, can't kill deer in the spring anyway. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> might cut into your shed hunting time though, man. Your turkey They're hunting right. time. But um, yeah. So college in the fall. Um, uh. Are you planning to to hunt while you're in college, or do you think you're gonna have to take a break from it for a few years, or what what, what do you think going forward there? No, I'll be in a tree stand as soon as season opens. So <laughs> actually, I'm going to school up in Wisconsin. So their season opens the middle of September. Nice. We, just, we start school September second, and on some baseball trips up there just hanging out with the team and stuff i got in with the group of guys dorm room outdoors is their name they got a youtube channel and instagram nice. and oh, cool. so they have land and they film their hunts up there and they actually they put down some pretty nice deer last year so i'll i'm in with them guys now and we'll all be 
getting in a tree stand together once season starts. Very wow, cool. that's amazing. So can you give us that just just in case anyone listening wants to check out that channel, maybe hopefully see you featured on there this fall. What what's that channel again? Dorm Room Outdoors. It's on Instagram and YouTube. Very cool. Very cool. Man, that's great. Yeah, we'll have to I'm I'm looking forward to to checking them out myself. That's that's really cool. Hopefully yes. we'll see you on there this fall. Yeah, plenty of deer up in Wisconsin, that's for sure. There's, mm-hmm, there's a, mm-hmm. In fact, um, kind of when we were talking at the beginning of the the episode where um, you mentioned your, how your grandpa said that when he was a kid, seeing a deer was like seeing a unicorn. If I remember correctly, I, I've, I've heard a kind of a synopsis on the history of getting deer reestablished throughout the Midwest, but I think uh, for Illinois and Iowa, the the... I guess you'd say subspecies of whitetails were actually brought in from Wisconsin to Mm. Illinois and Iowa to help repopulate um, these states as uh, they were trying to trying to bring this wildlife back to the landscape. So, yeah, definitely, definitely a state filled with deer hunters, filled with deer. And oh, uh, they need a lot of them killed too. They've they've definitely been fighting their battles with chronic wasting disease up there. And yes, so it's, it's good that they have what, another another uh, good deer hunter coming up to to help uh, manage things. Well, and just to you know put it in perspective, you know, you know in in Delaware there's you know like thirty thousand total deer. You know, in right. Wisconsin, you know, depending on the year, you know, there's between like, you know, ballpark, like 160 to 200,000 deer harvested a year. <laughs> yeah. <yep. laughs> I mean, I mean, so just to, you know, the difference in size and the, the sh- just sheer number of, of available deer. I mean, I know Kent and I went to college in Wisconsin and unfortunately I was, I had multiple jobs and wasn't able to really get into hunting, you know, out there while I was out there. But I mean, I know guys, you know, got into it and loved it and shot some big bucks. And so, I mean, I'm, I'm excited for you, Nate, to be able to get out there and, you know, you know, hunting a little different area than, than what you've been doing and kind of learn and grow a little bit more. And obviously having that connection with that group of guys already is just awesome for you. So I'm super excited to check that out myself. And hopefully, hopefully we'll look forward to seeing you taking down some, some big Wisconsin bruisers. I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 really cool. Yeah, so dorm room outdoors, everyone. Make sure you uh, uh, spend some time checking out their stuff, and hopefully uh, you can you can uh, follow along with uh, Nate as he uh, does his first year up there. So very cool. So um, what about um, so that's that's kind of short term goals. Um, are you going to do any hunting back in Illinois this this fall? Yeah, so we'll have baseball for five weeks in the fall. So, I mean, it's only a two-hour drive up there, so me and one of the boys from up there can run back for a weekend or so and maybe try to get a hunt on film. And then I'm still planning on coming back for firearm seasons and hunt with Dad and Grandpa for that. So Good, good to nice. hear. Do you have any uh, target bucks that you've gotten on trail cam or anything like that or that you saw last year while you were out hunting or maybe even saw during uh, shed season or turkey hunting this spring? Yeah, I have two last two from last year that I'm really looking forward to see what they turn into. So, Good or three, actually. I, I missed one of them last year, and I didn't, I didn't realize how big the deer was until I put my hands on his sheds. 
Oof. He was he went r- roughly one sixty three. Wow. That's... And hey, another year of growth. So I mean, man, excited to yeah. see what he turns into. We're figuring he's a young deer too. So I'm really just hoping he blows up this year, and me, dad, <laughs> or grandpa can can get him down. Nice, man. Yeah. That's great. That is great. Well, if you had to, if you had to give us, you know, one or two like dream trips, like you know, talking future. What what type, you know, wh- where would you love to go? What type of hunt would you love to do if you had to pick one or two? My number one would be a Canadian black bear with a bow. Nice. Oh. That's really cool. And then I, I want to go out west and hunt elk with archery equipment, too. So. Oh, yeah. Man, that's that's great. Good choice. Actually, yeah. last year, I got to go to Nebraska for four days and we hunted mule deer out there in the national the nebraska national forest and oh cool the the first night we were out there the girl that was with us on the trip we put a two and a half hour stock and she killed a mid 150s public land mule deer 30 yards wow that's awesome you guys you guys must have been high-fiving and just man going crazy that was I've ne- I feel like I've floated across the ridge. <laughs> <laughs> so her and her, her and her husband were, he was like leading her on the stock, and I stayed up on the ridge and watched it all. And I, I, I sat there for probably over two hours waiting, and this deer would not stand up. Uh-huh. And, he, and he stood up, and I, I heard the arrow hit him from where I was on the ridge. And he crossed through a little pine patch right in about 200 yards in front of me. So they couldn't see him, but I could. And I watched him go down. Oh, man. Nice. I just, I loaded up all the gear on that ridge and just full sprint all the way down the valley (laughs) up to where that deer was. Man, that was just full adrenaline you had going. Oh, it was awesome. (laughs) (laughs) that is amazing that's cool yeah i i have a mule deer trip on my list someday too i they're such beautiful animals you know and that Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. uh, crazy little bounce they do you know that are they bound you know that's that's so cool how they yes how they they do that so well that's awesome well nate uh it's been great talking with you as we close here do you have any we'll call it game changing tips for the audience. It could be related to shed hunting or turkey hunting, deer hunting, um, maybe just archery tips in general or stand placement or anything like that, that you think would help a new hunter. I think the big thing is once, once you start getting into it, don't back off at all because you're just gonna, you're just gonna lose skill that you already have. Hmm. And if, if you're able to just, put in the time because the longer the more time you put in the more and more you're going to fall in love with it and it's Mm. just going to be harder and harder to get away from it so Mm. yeah that's that's sagely advice for sure yet again man Mm -hmm. here man maybe we shouldn't even call us a next gen episode here brandon this guy's like smarter (laughs) than we are combined i know i know well it's 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 so true though you know i love what he said because 
you know, when you, especially as a, as a new hunter, you get, you could think of anything, any sort of hobby, you know, anything that you get into, you know, when you love what you're doing, you know, even as a, as a, you know, it, many times you see these new hunters, they, they just, they, they take off with, you know, things because they're just hungry. They're learning it. They're loving it. They're out there every chance they get. And like we've talked about many times, you know, every chance, you, every time you're out there and all of us, you know, with different responsibilities, why not? We, we have different abilities to put time in, but every time you're out there, you're learning something, you're growing what Nate said, you know, you're just kind of amplifying the skills you're building upon them. And so the more time you're able to put out there, not only you're learning more, but you're also, you know, kind of get it. You're giving yourself the best opportunity to have a chance at, you know, at harvesting something, you know, so minimal time, you know, many, every now and then, like, like Nate said, you know, yeah, you might go out two times and man, you got two deer for most people, you know, most of the time, you know, you've got to put in the time to really, you know, really see the, the, you know, see the fruits of your labor. So, I mean, putting that extra time in, it's never, it's never time wasted out there. You're always learning something. If you get something, it's a bonus and you're learning through the entire process. So I love that advice that he gave. For sure. I, I echo you. 100 percent as 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 usual well nate we really appreciate you coming on looking forward to to following along now that we know how to now that we know how to uh do that you know through uh it's dorm room outdoors correct yep yep yeah very cool so we're we're excited excited to see what what you do this fall and um you know what maybe you'd be a great uh uh, do a future interview with you, kind of a recap or something. That'd be yes. That'd be uh, yeah, yeah, that'd be fun. Sure. So, well, man, you take it easy. Congrats on gra- graduating. Good luck in the fall with college and and baseball, and of course, uh, uh, getting out in the deer woods and and uh, seeing what you can fling an arrow at. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for coming on. Well, you take it easy, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Feel inspired? I sure do. Nate is obviously a gifted hunter who puts in the work and enjoys this great lifestyle for all of the right reasons. I am excited to follow along with Nate as he continues on with his hunting journey and I am also planning to take Nate's advice to heart and improve my own mindset whenever I need to about seeing the worth of each animal harvested. Hunting season is fast approaching. Not much time before we all need to stay out of the deer woods, so get all that summer prep work wrapped up and plans finalized for hunting season 2020. Also take a minute to leave a review for the podcast, like and follow on Facebook and Instagram, and subscribe to the First Gen Hunter YouTube channel. But above all, take care and take someone hunting.